Derek Kidner, if you're with me on Wednesday night studies, you probably already know Derek Kidner is one of my favorite biblical theologians, certainly from the 20th century. Derek Kidner says, it required the sending of the Son of God into this world to take our sin upon himself for him, the very Son of God, to taste death, the death you and I deserved, before take and eat could again become words of salvation and communion with God. It took Jesus' coming and tasting death for you, for us, in our place, for the verbs take and eat to be redeemed and restored as verbs, as actions, as commands of true salvation. What's he talking about? Anyone know? To understand what he's saying, what Derek Kidner is saying, it's, it's deep. We need to remember, remember first, the bad and the fake gospel. Second, remember the provisional and prophetic news of the Passover. The Passover in Exodus is a type, it's provisional and prophetic, it's a type of something far greater. And third, finally, the true good news of our beautifully perfect Savior. First, remember the original fake good news? Remember the original fake news? No, I'm not talking about current political accusations and, you know, barbs fired at each other across the current partisan divide, and it's a pretty tough divide here in 2020 in the United States. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm asking you if you remember the original fake good news. Remember? You got to go back kind of to the beginning of this book here. Uh, That bogus gospel that led human beings astray in the garden and still leads most folks astray (laughs) these days, too. In Genesis 3, you can read the bogus good news, the bogus gospel, and the promises of the serpent's invitation to the woman to take and eat. Go ahead, take Take of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God. You will be able to discern for yourself what you need to discern. You will know what you want to know, what what your heart's desire is to know, knowing good and evil. That's the original fake good news about desire and discernment, about what we should take and what we should receive unto ourselves, about what we should experience here on earth. After all, you don't want to miss it. What we should seek to live in and to be fulfilled in 
and bottom line about whom we should trust to feed us. Who's feeding you? Whom do you trust to feed your body and your soul? This is the basic question of life. The serpent sells false promises, and most people go with the false promises. Oh, for most people, it's not actually a situation where we're naked in a garden, literally, and where a serpent comes up to us and starts spouting out promises. It's a little more complex and sophisticated than that, but, but we see it played out over and over again in all quarters of life. In fact, theologically, although on the one hand, the Hebrew scriptures uphold the importance of work and of produce from the earth and of food and of fellowship. Specifically, all the way back there in Genesis 3, and we we have to deal with this if we're going to take the Bible seriously, all the way back in the Lord's cursing of the earth, because of the man's sin, because he listened to his wife and ate of the fruit of the tree. God says, uh, as part of that cursing, towards the end of that cursing of the ground of the earth, Genesis 3:19, by the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread. Let me repeat that. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat lachem, you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground. For Out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. You're going to die. You're going to be dust. And the bread you are eating here does not last. And all of it, all of your life, and all of the bread you eat, even in your highest days of birthday parties and weddings and fellowship, it's under the shadow of the curse on all the ground and the death the spiritual death and the ultimate death that faces you. So in a deep sense, even after the Lord called Israel into covenant, even the Passover bread the Israelites ate in their Seder, why even the bread of the presence that the Lord himself commanded should be for the priest in the line of Aaron, the Kohen, in the tabernacle and in the temple, was all under the shadow of that curse, of that death that was coming. So who could reverse all that? Hmm? Who could bring true good news, totally countervailing the bogus, the false, the fake news that the serpent brought into the garden. How could the word take? I mean, how can you take anything without it being tainted? How could our communion with God be restored and secured? And how could receiving blessed bread be possible unto eternal life? In other words, who could reconcile us to God? Now, I open summarizing from Derek Kidner, his commentary on the book of Genesis. And Kidner highlights how 
God's word juxtaposes Adam and Eve's taking and eating unto death with your opportunity. I mean, it's a great opportunity. <laughs> you, know, you don't have to be, you don't have to go along and feast with Adam and Eve. You, you got a totally different feast to which you're invited. Your opportunity through Jesus Christ and his body to take and eat unto salvation. Kidner muses on how brief and simple those momentous words are in Genesis 3. And she, in other words, Eve, took and ate. Took and ate. When are we going to hear those words again in a totally different way in the Bible? Well, you need to fast forward all the way to the New Covenant and the New Testament in Jesus. It took God himself, God's son himself, to come to taste poverty and our death, your death, my death, in our place so that those words could be restored and you could be restored. And you might have the opportunity to trust in God and receive. This is a gospel of grace. If you don't get this, you're going to totally miss the table next week. Oh, you may get a piece of bread and a little bit of juice to drink, but you're going to totally miss him and his table. If you don't understand, this is totally by Christ and by grace that he invites you to take and receive what God is giving to you. Not what you're working for, nothing under the curse, nothing you're trying to put on. It's totally brought by him. Jesus, the bread of life. Um, Jesus, the bread of life. Remember our context from Mark chapter 14. It's the beginning of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Jesus is in Jerusalem in the upper room with his disciples. And he is reclining at table. Very specific. All the Gospels, very specific about this. Or Matthew, Mark, and Luke, very specific about this. Mark is the briefest on the dialogue, but Mark gives us the details very well, as he always does. Jesus is in Jerusalem at the beginning of unleavened bread, the Passover evening that leads into the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And Jesus is celebrating that central prelude and opening and grand feast of the Passover with his disciples. Now, Passover. What's going on with the Passover? Well, just a few highlights. The Israelites, the Jews, called to remember how God delivered them out of Egypt and specifically delivered them from the death of the firstborn, the tenth and ultimate of the plagues that God brought in Egypt. And remember, I've already highlighted this, I think, with the last couple of sermons. Remember, the blood of the Paschal lamb is central and essential. You, it wasn't just, well, I'm an Israelite and my heart's good with God, so I'm sure he's going to let me go here on this. No, no, you had to have the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, the lintel, and, and you had to be engaged in a covenant response to God. The blood was essential. And and on Passover night and Passover Seder, the Jews were commanded, the Israelites, the Hebrew people were commanded by God to go back over the story. 
in their household and to answer the question. The question, why are we doing this? What does this mean? The most famous question of the Passover Seder is the Ma-Nishtana question, which is, why is this night different from every other night? And the youngest person, preferably a child, the great line for the youngest child in a household, the, the youngest is supposed to ask this question. It's supposed to ask it to the daddy or the head of the household typically the pater familias, you know, the father of the household, whether that's grandfather, whatever the household unit is, the broader family, the oldest person is supposed to answer, the senior spiritual leader is supposed to answer the youngest on, let me tell you. And the answer, it's critically important that you understand the answer is not like, well, well, way, 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 way back then. When your great, 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 great grandmama and grandfather came over from Germany or when, they, when we did this or sometime, I can't remember the name of some of our ancient ancestors, but I think some of them moved to Mississippi uh, back in the 1700s or 1800s. Something. No, no, not like that. You don't answer like that. You answer like this. We were slaves in Egypt. This happened to us. This is us. There is no past that is unto itself. The past is our present, and we remember it for real. It's not like giving our children a history lesson that they're going to say, well, I don't know, whatever. I mean, maybe I can remember some of the names. No, no, no. Honey, this is us. It's like it was yesterday. And if you're going to be a son or a daughter of the covenant, you have to understand that this is in your DNA. This is in your spiritual DNA. This is in your blood. This is who you are. You, my son, my daughter, were a slave just a moment ago. And you were on the brink of death just a moment ago. And God delivered us. That's the idea of the Passover and the Passover Seder. We were slaves in Egypt. And then the Megid is saying... The telling, the teaching is saying, this is for us. See, this is where a lot of Christians and a lot of Christian households really miss it. I mean, the whole idea of the Bible is this is not a history lesson unto itself, just a history lesson for our children to kind of memorize a few things and be able to spout back a few facts from history. Like maybe they can remember, I don't know, when George Washington was born or something. That's not what this is. This is a living call to a living faith in a living word. Parents, grandparents, I hope we're getting this. That, that's, that's the idea. That's the faith. So it was a reaffirmation every year heading into the new spiritual year. That's, that's what Nisan was. That's what Aviv is, the, the beginning of the kind of the early spring, heading into the new year of livelihood and growing and harvest that we're supposed to be growing spiritually. That's the concept of Passover and unleavened bread, a reaffirmation of the covenant with God, trusting in God our deliverer. And then the Seder had, you know, you go through the story with blessings connected with the various food items and God had provided for, had commanded. This is mitzvot. These are, these are commandments. These are the, the regulations of the Passover. You know, you, you do the bitter herbs. I mean, you do the, 
the salt. You, you do the, because and you do the, the, the crushed fruit because it represents the mortars, remembering how we were slaves and had to put the bricks together. Blessings connected. And then centrally you had the bread, the unleavened bread. Now here's where it gets really interesting for us. And I'll talk more about the Passover next week too as we look to the cup and what that means. But today I wanted us to focus on one verse that is really easy for us to run through very fast as we move on to the next verse and to the, the next verse and to the cup and then move on. Look, that one verse, Mark 14, 22, take a lifetime and eternity to understand the depth of what's being said. Bread, from the bread of life. And as they were eating, remember they're reclining, and Jesus is reclining in the inner circle with the inner 12. It's clear, read between the lines, it's co-ed gathering per Passover. There are other disciples there, including probably folks like Mary and Martha, but he's reclining with his inner group, and he, he takes the bread, he took the bread, and after blessing it, broke it. Now, there are two blessings at the Passover Seder. There is the blessing regarding the mitzvot on the unleavened bread. But regardless, the predominant blessing at the Passover is the same blessing that any head of a household who's faithful under the covenant under God gives any time you're breaking the bread, okay? This is the central feast and regular fellowship, including Sabbath meal blessing. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu. Blessed be you. Blessed be you. And I hope those directions get you to where we're going right now. Blessed be you. O Lord, our God. Melech Ha'alam. King of the universe. And this is where it gets really interesting for us in Jesus. Hamotzi lechem min ha'aretz. Who brings forth, who brings forth bread from the earth. We don't bring it forth. God brings it. So, all that calls to remembrance, should call to remembrance for the disciples. Jesus is saying that same blessing with them in all kinds of situations, including two really important ones that we highlighted earlier as we move through Mark this year. You guys are going to remember this, right? The feeding of the 5,000 men and the other folks who were there, the women and the children probably too. Feeding of 5,000 that we read about in Mark chapter 6. And there in Mark chapter 6, verse 41, and taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked to heaven and said a blessing. I wonder what blessing he said. Right? God who brings forth bread, hamotzi, lechem, min ha'aretz, from the earth. 
How are you going to feed 5,000 or possibly, I don't know, 10, 15,000 if you count the women and children? How are you going to feed those with five loaves? Well, you'd have to have God with you who can bring forth bread from the earth, right? That's who he is. And then in the Decapolis region, in other words, primarily with Gentiles, not just with Jewish people, primarily with Gentile people. Over in Mark chapter 8, remember, we highlighted this, the feeding of the 4,000 men. And then there's going to be women and children too. We know there's women and children. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and having given thanks, I wonder what thanks he said as he lifted up this bread and broke it. And he broke it and gave it to them. Remember, he's breaking bread and saying a blessing. Hamotzi lechem min haaretz. God, king of the universe, you bring forth bread from the earth out of nowhere. And then he distributed it with the fish. And then in Mark 8, we saw how, even after all that, the disciples totally missed the point. They had forgotten to bring bread, and they're all worried about it. Remember this in Mark 8? And Jesus, aware of this, and them talking about this bread, as she said, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Don't you discern yet who the body is, what the body is, where the bread comes from? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes do you not see, and having ears do you not hear? And do you not remember? Do you not remember, Jesus asked, when I broke the five loaves, For the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, 12. And the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces, broken bread, did you take up? They said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? So as they were eating there on the last supper night, he took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, take This is my body. Clearly, we're in the Passover context. Clearly, Jesus is the Passover lamb. Okay? We'll talk about that more next week. His blood shed for us as we share from the cup. But get this also. Jesus does not take the lamb shank and say, this is my body. Why not? At least a couple huge reasons. Because the Passover lamb that they're eating is simply a type pointing both forward to Jesus on the cross, but also pointing all the way back to the lamb sacrificed before the beginning before the world was established, before the beginning beginning of all things, okay, before the beginning of time. And secondly, because this covenant sacrament is not a sacrifice, it looks to and is based on the sacrifice that he will make, but yes, Roman Catholic Church not only wrong on the idea of transubstantiation, but also on the whole idea of the host. This is not a hoist, this is not a sacrifice. This is a covenant celebration meal. That's what you're coming to next Sunday. Yes, 
We remember with true repentance, his blood shed for us, but the blood has already secured. This is a, so Jesus does not take the lamb. Jesus surprisingly moves all through that, and notice he doesn't go through all the elements of the Passover Seder. I I love Messianic Jews, and I love Christian brothers and sisters who think they need to go back all the time, all the way to, all the way through the Passover Seder. We need to understand the Seder, but that's not the central thing that Jesus does. He moves beyond and takes the bread and says, this is my body. Take this. And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, this is John 6, picking up at 32. It was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said, I am. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall no longer hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. This is a covenant feast we celebrate. And I am reminded, as we are all reminded, that Jesus is a priest, not in the order of Aaron, but a priest in the order of Melchizedek. You go back to Genesis 14, and this is not a sacrificial feast that Abraham is given and blessed through by Melchizedek, right? And it's really interesting because by the fake the fake news and the fake gospel is right there in Abraham's face. Remember that? The king of Sodom, right there. King of Sodom, offering all, hey, get, let's share the tribute and all this kind of stuff. After his return from the defeat of Keterlamar and the priests who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet Abram, Abraham, at the valley of Sheva, that is, the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Bread and wine. He was a priest of God most high. And he, Melchizedek, blessed him, Avram, and said, Blessed be Avram by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. Sound familiar? Kind of a little echo there, right? And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Avram gave him a tenth of everything. I mean, the tithe's all the way through, way before Moses in Exodus. And the king of Sodom said to Avram, give me the persons. And he tries to cut a deal with Avram, and Avram wants nothing of it because he already has the feast of God's blessing through the bread and the cup that God's own priest, Melchizedek, has brought to him. Is that where you are spiritually? I hope it is. That's the table to which we come next week. And as you prepare to come to his table, I want to invite you to shut out all the false gospels and false invitations for deals by the king of Sodom and anyone else who's trying to get your attention and to come all the way to the priest, the priest in the order of Melchizedek, who invites you to come and to receive totally by grace, by God's blessing, the bread. Let me explain this to you also. When Jesus said that blessing and he breaks up the bread and hands it out to everybody, that means a couple things. That is the means of grace, the distribution of the blessing 
Okay, he says the blessing and breaks the bread, and then everyone who takes a piece of it is in a way receiving the blessing. Y'all understand this? And then also they are also saying, we're all together because we're one loaf, one bread, one blessing together. Christians, we're the body. Paul says, you desecrate the supper if you don't discern the body, if you don't discern that we're all together in that blessing. That's what we're preparing for for next Sunday. Come, repent, remember, receive, and rejoice. Hear that? Remember, repent, prepare to receive by grace and rejoice in the foretaste of the great feast. We'll celebrate with him forever. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen.